Business leaders, what can you do to foster a mentally healthy workplace? Join us to find out on this edition of The Inside BS Show. Hey now, I'm Nikki G. This is The Inside BS Show. Here with me today is my partner, the godfather of growth, Dave Lorenzo. How are you, Dave? Nikki G. I'm mentally healthy and I'm physically fit and I can't wait to talk about this topic because it's so important. Thank you for suggesting it. It is important, Dave, and thank you for uh, opening this up and having this discussion with me for us to do this show today. So I think during the pandemic, we saw a spotlight really shined on mental health. I mean, it's all look, it, is, it should have always been something we were thinking about as individuals, as business owners out there. But I think it really gave us the opportunity to stand back and look and assess where we were um, in, in, in our view of mental health, because so many individuals were really suffering during that period of time when we're stuck at home and we don't have much interaction and we can't go out. And so now, even though we're past the pandemic, well, largely past the effects of the pandemic, um, it still should be a conversation that you're having because we still have a lot of individuals out there who are suffering from various issues and we want to find a way to incorporate that into the workplace and to let employees know and to let um, the public know that you support these initiatives inside of your company. It's important. It's important for your company as a whole to make sure that your employees are happy. When your employees are happy, they're going to be more productive. They're going to want to build lasting relationships with you. Your retention will go up and they'll be more productive. So to get you there, we wanted to offer some of our suggestions on ways that you can foster a men mentally healthy workplace. So let me go ahead and jump into point number one, Dave, and we can offer our thoughts on each of these. First, have conversations about well-being and mental health. Communicating about the issue should be the starting point. Let employees know that you care about this topic and encourage them to come and talk to others if they're having any concerns. And for example, tell your employees if they're just having a bad day or they're feeling really overwhelmed or overworked to come raise that issue with someone that is there for them, whether you have someone who's an HR director in your company or you have someone who's their superior, encourage them to reach out. Do not let people suffer silently if they're experiencing these issues in your, in your office. You know, Nicola, that is absolutely perfect. I have experienced myself times when employees had issues and they came to me and talked about them and they were amazed to find out that I experienced some of the same things that they were currently experiencing. A great example of this is one of my dear friends today. Our relationship started out when she was in sales and I was a general manager of a Marriott business and she came to my office one day and she said, I have to tell you, I'm really struggling today. I had a panic attack this morning and I'm feeling very anxious. And I said, sit down. I said, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what's going on. And I shared with her my own personal experience about anxiety and how I used to have panic attacks and how I worked through the process of dealing with that specific mental health issue. And it was one that is kind of endemic in my family. And I knew that when I started experiencing signs of anxiety that I needed to get help because I had people in my family who had suffered with this for years because they were brought up in a culture where it wasn't 
socially acceptable for them to talk about it. So when this particular person came into my office and said to me, I had a panic attack this morning, I'm feeling really anxious. And I said to her, tell me, tell me specifically what you're feeling. Tell me what's happening to you physically. And I sat next to her and I said, listen, that used to happen to me all the time. And here are some of the things that I was taught to do in order to deal with them. And I talked to her about breathing exercises that I had been shown by a therapist. And then I explained to her that what helped me to manage my anxiety was understanding that this was a condition that my brain was bringing on. And I could bring on the anxiety in myself if I really worked hard to. And I actually, in my therapist's office one day, worked myself into a panic attack at the direction and under the guidance of the therapist. And then the therapist pulled me out of it by saying, you did this to yourself, you can undo it, and gave me techniques to undo it. And I shared what I learned in that therapy session with her. And what she said to me, I'll never forget. She said, I don't know if this will help me. The techniques that you gave me will help me. But just knowing that somebody else, especially someone like you, who I view as successful, was experiencing this at one time, and you found a way to deal with it in your life now, shows me that I can do it too. So just that conversation, exactly what you were talking about, Nicola, just that conversation was comforting enough for this person to get her to finish out the rest of the day. And she shared that conversation with those techniques with her therapist, and they incorporated similar techniques into her process so that she could deal with this anxiety moving forward. We're still friends today. It's been gosh, 26, 27 years. And, you know, she, just like I, still deal with these feelings from time to time. But the conversation that we had helped her understand that because you have a mental health issue doesn't make you abnormal. It doesn't make you less than human. In fact, if anything, it makes you more normal and it makes you more human because part of the human condition is that we experience these things just like we experience getting a cold or having a physical ailment. You know, mental health, that stigma, we have to be able to remove it, especially in the workplace, and have conversations about it because the conversations are the beginning to getting on a path to feeling better. Yeah, that's exactly right. Having these conversations helps remove that stigma. We don't want people to feel that they've got to suffer and deal with these issues on their own, and we want them to feel comfortable reaching out to others. And so by having these open lines of communication, we can do that. Um, and look, not everyone will be open to having a sit-down conversation like you may be Dave or I am. I, mean, I know I've had people come to me over the years and sit down in my office and say, do you mind if I close the door and we have a conversation? And if you're not comfortable, just recommend them to someone. You know, I suggest you speak with and provide your manager's name or somebody else to make sure that you're, you're thinking about these individuals who are your coworkers, who you spend a lot of time with and make sure you're offering you know, the assistance that they may need. You don't know how bad the circumstance may be because someone may not be quite comfortable sharing that much with you. So again, it's about encouraging these communications so that we can help make advancements with these issues and recognize they're out there and do not let people feel that they should be ashamed in any way because they absolutely shouldn't. And we should be making sure that we do what we can to help them. Point number two to help you foster a mentally healthy workplace is to promote well-being in your culture. 
You can do this in a lot of different ways. So a few examples, encourage your employees to take their vacation days. I can't tell you how many times I see this where folks have a lot of vacation days and there's you know a culture or feeling that they can't take them. And I've even heard other employees make comments about people taking vacation. You are entitled to your time off and this begins with the leaders of the company letting their employees know we want you to take the time off. We should not leave anything out there to suggest that there is something that is laudable about not taking time off and working through every day off you should have been given. That is not healthy for your culture and it's not healthy for your employees. They will come back much more refreshed and ready to be productive and to dedicate time to your company and forcing them to to feel like they can't take their time off is going to create a bad environment for them that is not going to be good in the long run. So that's one easy way. Also, an offer another one, which is adding flexibility into their work schedules. Think about you know where they're working, from home or in the office, and what may be better suited for some of your employees to make sure that they are happy and productive. What do you think, Dave? I think I think that's a best practice that everyone should follow. There's a reason that people are given paid time off, and that's to help them reset mentally and physically, especially in physically demanding jobs. But some jobs that are mentally demanding or taxing, that time off is equally as important, if not more important, than the physical time off. I think about air traffic controllers or surgeons or people who are in an environment where the level of focus they have to have is so intense that they will work 50-minute hours, five-zero-minute hours, and then take 10 minutes off at the end of the hour and come back to what they're working on. Even a surgeon in an eight-hour surgery will take a 15- or a 20-minute break, step away from the operating table, have another doctor there to perhaps do some of the uh, some of the I want to say easier for them, easier tasks, and then they come back in to do the more intricate tasks because an intense level of focus for a significant period of time can be as mentally taxing as lifting heavy objects for for a, a long period of time. So taking your paid time off is that break that you need to reset yourself mentally, emotionally, and physically. I used to do a lot of physical labor. So when you work in the hotel industry, even if you're a manager, you're on your feet a lot. And if you wouldn't take the two days off, and if you didn't get your two days off in a row every week, you could feel the fatigue in your hamstrings, in your thighs, in your you know your upper uh, buttocks and your back to a point where you knew you needed to take a day off because you've been on your feet too many hours, too many days. We don't have that mental gauge where our mind says, oh, I'm not as sharp as I was at the beginning of the week. I probably should take my two days off. Now, we don't have that in our mind, so we have to program it into our schedules. There's a great analogy that Dan Sullivan, the founder of Strategic Coach, uses all the time. He talks about entertainers, and he will say that entertainers, for example, will do one or two shows in a row and then have a day off. They won't do five consecutive shows. Or if they do four or five consecutive shows, they take the next day off. Even performers on Broadway. Broadway actors will do six shows uh, a week and then one matinee, so they're doing seven shows. 
But those shows are only two hours long. The rest of the time, they're not rehearsing. They're not doing anything. They're resting their voice. They're not speaking. They're not doing anything. They're taking the time in between the shows to recuperate and recover. We as entrepreneurs, we don't do that. What do we do? We work six days a week, and then on the seventh day, we clean up our email and straighten up the office, and we consider that a day off. You need to take at least one day and completely get out of the business to reset your mind, do something completely different, and get away from your work, come back to it, and you'll be amazed at how refreshed you are. There are two days when you're the most productive. It's the day before you go on vacation, particularly the four hours before you go on vacation, and the first day you get back from vacation. And those two days you're most productive because you're working towards something that you're really excited about, and you're coming back from something where you were refreshed and you're reinvigorated to get back into the fight at work. So think about that and think about how if every other day you took a day off that would make every day like the day before vacation and every other day like the day coming back from vacation give that some thought for a minute and think about how that concept could change everything for you and that's what dan sullivan did with his concept of free days he says you should probably take two days in a row of work and then take a day off two days in a row of work and then take a day off because that's the optimal work schedule i know people who have built that into their routine and they swear by it they say they're more productive it just reinforces this concept of needing to take your time off for a mental break. It's really equally as important, if not more important, than the physical break. Absolutely, it, it's really important for your mental well-being and for your focus. You realize when you take time off, no matter what increment you choose, sit back the next time and think about how did I feel when I came back? What was my focus like? What did I accomplish when I got back? And you'll really be surprised like how much you've changed between when you stepped away to take that time off and when you returned. I'm always so amazed like how much time off really helps provide clarity and just thinking about you know, my business and coming up with ideas that I don't think I would have come up with had I not stepped away and had that all of that time just to like allow my thoughts to really you know freely kind of just marinate there in my head while I was not focused on doing something else. It really allows you to take that time where you have undivided attention and you're able to come up with really great ideas for your business. Our tip number three is to provide access to mental health resources and support and communicate those to your employees. There's a lot of things you can look at here. Uh, a couple that I would put at the top of that list are to sit down and review your benefits and your insurance coverage. Look at them from an employee standpoint. What's being covered? What isn't being covered? Because your employees are going to look at this. And I'm, I'm seeing articles out there now that are indicating that especially Gen Z are really focused on are there mental health benefits that are associated with my employment? You're going to have a you know up and coming workforce that this is really a focal point for them and they want to know that you have good benefits in place. It's going to be important to their decision making. Um, regardless of the decision making for employees, you should always want to have this for your employees. This is really the heart of your business are your employees. You wanna make sure that you are providing what you can for them in this area. So a great way to do that is sit down and look at you know what your existing coverage is, what your benefits are, and make some adjustments if you need to. Because if there are a lot of areas that aren't being covered, such as treatment or such as 
uh, you know, different services they can seek, then you need to be thoughtful about, can we add something in here that would give us some more coverage so that we can make sure we're taking care of our employees? Yeah, I think this is even more important now than it was five years ago, definitely more important now than it was 20 years ago. And it used to be having great coverage, specifically mental health coverage was a competitive advantage. And now that we've been through a global pandemic, it's a necessity. So you're a small business, or even if you're a mid-market business, you can get great mental health coverage by joining a PEO if you if you don't qualify for mental health benefits under your business size coverage. I can't tell you how important it is when I have conversations with people and they tell me, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm attending uh, meetings every week or every other week or, you know, twice a month with a therapist and it's covered by my insurance. It, that's a big deal. It's a big deal because it makes you an employer of preference and more and more it's going to be the price of entry into the market. People are going to say, just like they ask if there's a dental policy, they're going to say, what's your mental health coverage? How, how much mental health coverage is there with your, with your insurance benefits that I receive when I join you? So if you're a small business or even if you're a mid-market business and you're struggling because you're worried about the cost of insurance and including mental health in the insurance, consider a PEO because PEOs offer many, many options, and a lot of them include mental health options. My business, we used a PEO for a long time for our healthcare coverage, and we were able to find one of the options in the PEO's coverage offerings that had great mental health benefits, and we took advantage of them because it made sense to do so. It made us it, first of all, it helps you live your life better. But second of all, it made, a, it made us better employees. It makes your employees better, more effective, more productive employees. And great mental health coverage is a reason for an employee to stay with your company long term. So mental health benefits in your insurance plan, they're critical. I would highly encourage you to look for plans that include great mental health benefits and include coverage for the members of your team. Everybody needs it. And you'll be an employer of preference, but increasingly it'll be something that is required by everyone to have in order to be competitive in the workplace. Great point, Dave. Take a look at your benefits and consider some of these other options that Dave mentioned to make sure that you can have the right coverage in place to provide for your employees. Let me move on to our action item number four, provide mental health training. So here's what we're talking about. We talked a little bit earlier about items that you can incorporate into your company that are going to benefit your employees in this area. So it's important to let them know, especially during the onboarding process, where to go and how to use those resources. Even if you put them into, for example, your benefits, Benefits aren't always explained well to employees. And as someone who's been an employee for many years, I can tell you that there's a lot more questions that are left and then answers that are provided whenever you have you know, someone from a, an outside company going through benefits. And it's a little bit overwhelming for employees because they're thinking about so many things at the time that that's happening when they're deciding on which plan to choose, for example. So take the time to let them know where the resources are and how to use them. And the same goes for your managers. I mean, those, those are the individuals who are going to be helping out in this process. So you want to make sure that you provide some training to your managers and not just on the resources, but on things to look out for. So when there are employees that may be having 
different issues at the company, company, you want someone who will know how to help recognize that and especially identify when that may be beyond a level of help they're able to provide. So that's really important is recognizing when someone may need help that can't be provided by the company itself and maybe they need to be put in contact with a mental health professional or someone else who can assist them. And it's being able to identify that and make recommendations so that you're doing right by your employees and making sure they get the help that they need. It used to be in the workplace we would see behavior that would be considered outside the guidelines of the norm and one of two things would happen. People would either look the other way and ignore it or there would be an overreaction in the intervention. These days, I think we're more sensitive when we see behavior that seems a little bit out of the guidelines of the norm. And I think what we tend to do is we tend to approach those folks who are behaving in a way that's out of character for them with compassion and with empathy. And we tend to err on the side of making sure that they're okay by perhaps bringing them into into our office and having a conversation. And if the behavior is a little bit more extreme, perhaps allowing them to take the rest of the day off and escorting them to, uh, to their home or connecting them with someone from their family or someone that they trust who can get them home or to a place where they can uh, feel better and outside of the workplace. We're very sensitive to behavior that seems out of the norm because we're concerned about this behavior and its impact on the rest of the people in the workplace. I think we need to be equally concerned about the behavior and its impact on the individual. So regardless of why the the concern is raised, we need to approach people who are on the verge of a mental health crisis or appear to be behaving like they may be heading toward a mental health crisis. We need to approach them with empathy and compassion and think to ourselves, if this were my brother or my sister, how would I handle this? If this were a member of my family, if this were me, how would I want this handled? And do everything we can to allow that person to maintain their dignity while making sure that they're not a danger to themselves or to anyone else in the workplace. So, you know, my my first guidelines are if there's someone, if I approach someone and they're, and they're visibly upset, they're emotional, they're crying, I want to walk up to them and say, um, I see that you're upset. Would you like to come with me to the, to you know, to my office or would you like to come to this private place and talk about what's upsetting you? Or I could just help you get to that place where you could just spend a few minutes by yourself until till you feel better that in and of itself is approaching the person with compassion and empathy getting them out of the public place into a place where they can perhaps compose themselves or if they you know if they had if they were just received tragic news where they can be in a place with their emotions where they're not exposed to the rest of the workforce that sensitivity is critical then you can make sure that they're they're going to be uh, in they're going to be in a place where they can get someone 
who's close to them to escort them off the property or back to their home or to a place where they can take even more time and get the proper help that they need. That sensitivity to someone who's on the verge of a crisis or experiencing something emotional, that sensitivity is critical not only for the individual, but keep in mind that we as business leaders, we're always on stage. And the way we handle those things with those people it has implications for the rest of the workforce. I, I had the experience, the, the awful experience of having a person who worked with me find out, unfortunately, that a member of her family committed suicide. I, she found out this news while she was at work, and because of the nature of the situation, she had to be told over the phone because it was... It was a situation where if she turned on the television, she would have found out about it. And the person who called her to tell her this didn't want her to find out from television. I was not given a heads up. I was, I was uh, her, I was the manager of the business unit. Her direct manager came running into me when the person found, the, found out the news. And we, we got her to a place where she could be, you know, watched, but she could be with a friend from work, but in a private place to deal with her emotions and we were able to call a mental health professional we had being a big company we had mental health resources we were able to call a mental health professional who gave us some things that we could do in the short term to help her and then a member of her family came to uh, the workplace within a couple of hours and took her to to be with the rest of her family during that time if you don't have those resources at hand it would be great for you to, at minimum, take some online courses to learn what to look for when there's a potential mental health crisis in the workplace. It would be great for you to bring people to your workplace if you have managers that work for you and have a discussion during a staff meeting about how to recognize mental health crises and how to deal with them. Because the steps that we took in the, during that difficult time I don't know if they made it any easier for the individual, but they certainly uh, helped keep things in the office in a place where everyone else was able to, you know, with a, with a heavy heart, continue to function throughout the course of the day. So the concern that you need to demonstrate is making sure, number one, that you recognize when somebody's on the verge of a mental health crisis. Number two, making sure that they are in a safe place for themselves and for the rest of the workplace. And number three, as quickly as you can, in a compassionate and empathetic way, get them to the care that they need or get them to someone who can get them to the care that they need so that they can be helped as, as fast as possible. So I, I recognize for our audience, this is a very heavy topic for us, um, but it's a really important one and we feel strongly about it. So we wanted to make sure we took the time to address the subject. Let's do what we can as business leaders out there to really look out for those employees who are part of our company and to make sure that we let them know that we care and we put the right measures in place to make sure that their well-being is prioritized. So thank you so much for joining us today for this really important topic. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, I'm Nikki G, and you are? Dave Lorenzo, the godfather of growth. Thanks for joining us. See you tomorrow.